This morning, we are continuing our series in the book of Proverbs. And if you guys have been around for the last couple of weeks, you heard us talk about this. Um, Hopefully you read it in our um, email newsletters that we've sent out. We've put it out on social media. We're we're essentially doing, we're taking the month of October since it has 31 days, and we're challenging one another to read a chapter a day. So um, pretty simple. Uh, October 1st, you read the first chapter. October 2nd, you read the second chapter. So it keeps going. So if you've been reading along, then today you've read up to the 11th. And, and, and if you've read past the 11th, don't do what Susie did this morning. So Susie came into my office and she said, Mike, I need to know something. I've been reading Proverbs. I don't understand this verse. And she lays her Bible out in front of me. She said, tell me what this means. And I was looking at it and I was just like, I was, I was like, I don't even remember reading that. And I hadn't because she had read ahead, right? So, so that's fine. Like up until the 11th, you could ask me some things because I, hopefully I've read it. But, she, but Susie, you got to wait till tomorrow to ask me a question about chapter 12, all right? But for the rest of you guys, we are going to keep diving in uh, chapter by chapter, kind of verse by verse. And kind of what Timmy and I decided we were going to do is we were going to come in on Sundays and kind of bring something that kind of grabbed our heart or our attention through one of the chapters or the verses that we read kind of the previous week leading up to that Sunday. And so we have that today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn me to Proverbs chapter 6. And this was kind of the chapter and verses that grabbed hold of my attention the most this past week. Um, and something that kind of stirred my heart and soul and something that, uh, anyway, we kind of landed on for today. So Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to read uh, just a few verses starting in verse 16. Proverbs 6, chapter 16 says this, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. If you would, pray for me as I pray for you. Lord, we just come before you right now, and we just ask that you open up our hearts and our minds to your scripture. That as we dive into Proverbs chapter 6, as we look at these um, seven things that you hate, Lord. God, don't let us water them down. Don't let us assume that others in our lives are the ones that are guilty of this. Let us look at ourselves. God, if there's any of these seven, or maybe if there's all seven, if we're really being really honest, if there's any of these things that we can honestly say that we struggle with, that there are things that we know that are stumbling blocks to us today, then Lord, I just pray that you reveal that to us, that you give us the courage and strength and the power to turn it over to you this morning. And Lord, our prayer is that you just do whatever it takes to correct this behavior in our lives. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Now, there may not be a stronger word in the English language than the word hate, right? If someone was to say, I hate and then they finish the sentence, you immediately know exactly what they mean. You know, hate's just one of those words. Like sometimes people can use the word love. Love gets so watered down now. They can say, you know, like things like, oh, I love my kids. I love my wife. I love this TV show. I love tacos. Like, you know, like love can mean anything and everything. And you kind of like, well, I don't really know. We're on the scale that they truly love that thing or that person. But if someone says, I hate this, you get a pretty good picture, right? That this is not something that they want to be involved in in their lives. And probably if you're human, right, like, like I am, there's times when you've actually uttered those words to somebody else. You've said, I hate you. And then the minute you say it, you're like, 
I wish I could pull those words back, right? Like, that's not really how I meant. I, God, I said it. I'm so sorry. Or maybe someone has said that to you. Like, gosh, you know what? I just, I hate you. And you feel like this small. You're like, man, what have I done so horrible in my life that this person would hate me? And then we use the word hate for, for just day-to-day activities. You know, it's easy to walk outside in the last 48 hours and say, oh, I hate this rain, right? Or, or we flip on the TV. I hate politics. Or we go to work tomorrow. I hate my job. You know, it, it, it's just things that we hate. There's things that, that get under our skin, things that, that ultimately just, just irritate us, things that we could do without. And then we read a scripture like this in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, where it says, there's some things that the Lord hates. And I think maybe the, the human side of us, the side that maybe listens to the whisper of the enemy, says, well, you know what? God doesn't really hate those things. I mean, God is love. There's no way God could ever hate. So it just means he just, he, he frowns upon it. Like, it's not something that he would necessarily choose for you, but, but you know, he doesn't hate it. No. Like, when you look it up in the Hebrew, it is literally translated hate, right? To despise, to hate, to not want in your life. So God says, look, Solomon is writing this. He says, look, there's six things that the Lord hates, seven that he just finds just detestable, like he can't stand it. And I'm going to get into why it has that six going to seven in just a little bit. So we'll just kind of put a pin in that. But for right now, we understand that there are seven things that the Lord hates. And why does he hate them? I thought about it this week as a parent. You know, we love our children. If you're a parent, you love your child. So what do you hate? You hate things that could what? Harm your child. Any person or anything that is out there that could harm your child, you hate. You don't want those things in your child's life. You don't want your child to be a victim of any of those things or be taken advantage of any of those things or people or whatever. So you hate those things. That's what God is talking about here. When he's saying, I hate these seven things, he's saying because he is our father, because he loves us, because he is our Abba, because he is our parent. There are things, there are certain um, mindsets that we fall into that left unchecked are not only harmful, but they can be devastating to us in our lives. And God hates that because God loves us. He doesn't want us to struggle. He doesn't want us to go through these things. So what Solomon is writing is saying, look, there are seven things that we often get involved in in our lives, seven habits or seven characteristics or seven mindsets that the Lord hates. And he hates them because they will harm us. None of these seven things can ever help us. None of these seven things are ever good for us. These seven things will always hurt us. And because these seven things will hurt us and God loves us, he has to hate them. Make sense? So let's walk through them, um, if you guys are tracking with me right now. We're just going to kind of go through these seven things, and then we're going to kind of look at what does that mean for us now. First thing that he mentions is haughty eyes. Now, I don't, I don't know about, you know, maybe you're watching online, and maybe that's the term that you use wherever you live, but for a 40-something white male in the South, I just don't use the word haughty very often, right? I mean, that's just not in my vocabulary. And so I actually had to look it up, like, like what is haughty eyes? What does that even mean? And, and the definition I found said this. It says this is an, it is an outward manifestation of a proud heart. Haughty literally translates high. So haughty eyes, you think you're better than me, don't you? Right? Now we kind of understand. Someone who thinks that they're better than someone else. Someone who thinks that they're higher than someone else. We have all kinds of terms in our English language that kind of refer to this. You've ever said, hey, why don't you get off your high horse? 
right? You're up there, you're looking down on me, this is the way you view me. You look down your nose at me, you're stuck up, right? It's all about being elevated. This idea of having haughty eyes means that you're looking down on someone based on who they are, what they've done, what they're doing, where they come from, any of those things. But it's, we put ourselves up here and put someone else down here. Solomon is saying God hates haughty eyes. He hates the fact that we often look at others as less than ourselves. Because for God, we are all his sons and daughters. We have all been adopted into his family. We all have a chance at eternal life. We all have this opportunity to seize God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. So who are we to ever kind of place ourselves upon a plateau and someone else below us? So Solomon's saying, look, God hates that mindset. God hates the way that we often look down at others because of something that maybe we've been born into or blessed with in our own lives. Some other words, if you, if you don't want to like haughty eyes, if that's something that, that is still not really clicking with you, here's some other words that kind of go along with, with haughty eyes. How about arrogant? How about unteachable? What about rebellious? Or judgmental. I think if we're sitting in here now, we can say, yeah, I've probably been that way at some point in my life to this person or this, or this situation or whatever it may be. We've all struggled at some point, and maybe even right now, with this haughty eyes, with this, with this idea of, of judgment on others, placing ourselves higher than the person that we're looking at. The second thing that Solomon says that the Lord hates is a lying tongue. You know, a lying tongue, it's just it's simply deception in your speech. Now, what we do, if you're like me, is we separate our lies, don't we? You know, there, there's, there's a, a, a right reason to lie and there's a wrong reason to lie. Like we, we get into it and we say, okay, you know what? If I'm going to get in trouble, then I better lie so I don't get in as much trouble as I think I, I will get into. Okay? We all look at that and say, all right, that's, that's probably the wrong reason to lie. But then there's also the lies that we create because in our minds we tell ourselves, well, I don't want to hurt that person's feelings. So I'm just going to lie to them. I'm going to back out of this event. I'm going to, I'm going to say no to them because I don't really want to go and I don't want to tell them I want to go. So I'm going to make up some kind of excuse and, and that'll get me out of it. Like those lies are acceptable. But to God, any, any speech that is deceptive, any, any lie he hates Anything that comes out of our mouth, he loses a lying tongue. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what reason. It doesn't mean if you're trying to protect somebody or protect yourself. Any reason whatsoever that anything other than the truth comes out of your mouth, the Lord hates. Why? Because God is the embodiment of truth. He is truth. And so he has to hate anything that goes against that character of him. If he is truth, if he is absolute truth, he has to hate lies. He has to. He, he can't make excuses or he can't write off lies or a lying tongue just because he loves us. He says, look, I love you, but you know what? The fact that you lied about this, I hate that. I hate that mindset. I, I hate that characteristic. I hate that, that you want to do that. We lie, let's be honest. And we don't want to think that the Lord hates it. But if we believe Solomon and we believe Proverbs chapter 6, he does. The next thing God says, Solomon says God hates is he hates hands that shed innocent blood. 
He hates hands that shed innocent blood. Now, on the surface, we understand this because God is life. And God gives life. And God loves life. God also loves those who are powerless and those who are helpless. God loves those and he pours into those. And so anyone at all that that is innocent and has their blood shed because of someone else's hands, God hates that. Now, I'm pretty confident that there's nobody in here that's ever murdered anyone, right? And, And I'm pretty sure watching online, you know, there's probably not anybody either. So we read that and we're like, well, that's not me. You know, I've I've never had hands that have shed innocent blood, but it goes a lot deeper than that because on the surface, it looks like it's just a physical thing, the act of murder, the act of shedding innocent blood. But if you go deeper, if you go into the Gospels, if you go into the book of John and you look at the way Jesus led his life, what did Jesus say about murder? He said, if you have hated someone in your heart, then you have murdered. Because Jesus understood that in order for murder to happen, there has to be hate. Hate is the root of all murder. And he says, look, if you hate your brother, you hate your sister, then you've already committed that crime. You have already committed murder. You have already shed innocent blood. So if we're being really honest, there's probably some of us, maybe a lot of us, maybe all of us, that have innocent blood on our hands. There's things that people have done that have wronged us or things that people have done that have made us angry and just our pure hatred for them or or the things that we think in our minds. You know, how could they hurt me this way? Man, I just wish I could. And then we fill in the blank. You know, how are we going to get them back? That's that's not ours to spill. Their blood is not ours to spill. Their life is the Lord's. And it's his to take care of. But that hatred... In our hearts, that is what is murder. The next thing that Solomon says is, as we're going down the list, number four, a heart that devises wicked schemes. We have to remember that our heart is the command and the control center of our being. And that's one thing to kind of get caught up in a sinful moment, to have an act of um, impulsivity where you just something happens and you're like I'm just going to do it or maybe you give into that moment of temptation and you do something you know that that God wouldn't approve of but you do it anyway there's those moments that happen we are not perfect and we are always having to like just go to God's uh, uh, altar of grace and just ask his forgiveness right because we know that we're not perfect and we slip up and we say things and we do things and there's those moments but there's something completely different when those sins have been thought out When those things that we're wanting to do, we're like, man, you know what? I want to take advantage of this person, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to break my, 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 you know, the promise that I made to this, to my wife or my husband, or I'm going to do that. You know, we think through these things and we start plotting, how can I get what I want by deceiving other people and I don't get caught? That is what a divisive heart that schemes for nothing but wickedness, that is what God is talking about here. Saying, look, it's not just the, the momentary lap and judgment and, and that quick sin and, man, I, I blew it. I'm sorry, God. It's that long thought out. What can, what, what can I do to get what I want regardless of who I have to hurt and what I have to shield and the lies that I have to tell? Solomon's saying, look, God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. Number five, feet that are quick to rush into evil. This essentially happens when we know what to do and we choose not to do it. 
Like there's certain things that, that happen, you know, in, in our lives that um, are car crashes of life. You know, you, you know, we've seen it. We get on the highway and, just, and everything's kind of backed up. And then you finally get up there and there was nothing in your lane, but there was something in the other lane. It's kind of that, that the rubberneckers, you know, that's what we call them here in the South, you know. It's like, oh, you wanted to see the crash? That kind of is what happens to our life sometimes when it comes to evilness and sin and, and running to evil. It's like something bad happens. And instead of turning away from it and going, and going away from it, we want to run to it. You know, we want to see this crash and burn. We want to see this fire. You know, and often what happens is we get so close, we all of a sudden then we get sucked in to it. Solomon is saying, look, God hates feet that are quick to rush into evil. And it's not about just the evil actions. It's not about just what we would sit down and write as this is immorally wrong or this is evil or this is wicked. And these are things that clearly hurt people. It's even those day-to-day things that our feet are so quick to rush into. You think about social media, gossip, slander, how quick we are to spread things and pass things along and like things and share things. When we don't know if they're true or not, but we do them. You can't turn on the television set right now without seeing some type of political ads pop up. Beth and I were talking about it this week, you know, with the kids. You know, when you watch these political ads, at least I haven't seen one ad yet that tells me what this person running for office is for. It's telling me what the other person is against, right? Like, this is why, this is why they're bad. Not this is why you should vote for me, but why, this is why you should not vote for them. And who knows if this stuff is true or false, right? It's like there's, you're just bombarded with so much of it, and you hear it so often, you just take it as, well, they mu- it must be true. I mean, I'm getting these flyers in the mail, and it's on TV, so it must be true, right? But we don't know that. Like, all that stuff is just coming out. It's just there. And what happens is we start spreading all of that stuff, and that's running to evil, whether we know it's true or not. There was a story one time I heard. Um, there were some pastors that would get together, and they'd get together monthly and kind of have a little accountability group, and they'd talk about struggles they were having in their churches and pastoring, and just, you know, just kind of a support group for these ministers. And, um, and so one, one time they got together, and one of the pastors said, look, this past Sunday I was just preaching on, on accountability and, and confessing our sins one to another. He's like, I just really felt convicted because I don't know if we can tell our congregation to confess their sins to one another if we're not willing to do it ourselves. And the other pastors looked at him and said, oh, you're right, man, that's, that's what we need to do. And so the first pastor that brought it up, he said, look, he said, I'm gonna go ahead and get it started. I'm gonna let you guys know. You know, occasionally, more, maybe more times than, than I want to admit, at night, I'll have a glass of wine or two glasses of wine. I'll have a couple of beers before I go to bed at night. And the other pastors sit there and they nod. And they're like, yeah, we get you. Another pastor spoke up and he said, I gotta be honest with you. He, he was like, I like to gamble. <laughs> like, like, it's nothing for me to kind of throw a few bucks down on a sporting event or do something. He was like, I got to tell you, that, that's what I like to do. The other pastor spoke up, and he said, I'll be honest with you. If I'm driving down the street and I see a beautiful woman, I'll look a little longer than I know that I should. And they sat there, and they looked at the fourth pastor, and, and they said, well, what about you? What, what do you need to confess? And he looked at them. He said, man, I struggle with gossip. <laughs> and he was like, and I can't wait to get out of here, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's like feet running to evil, right? It's like you hear something and you're like, I can't wait to get, that's my Joel Osteen joke. Is that good, Maria? Was that, I like to you know, start with something funny. And, um, and you know, it's like you run to evil. It's like you hear something and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go tell this. 
And so feet that run to evil doesn't even have to mean what we even look at like just evil or wickedness. It could be something that, that we just hear. It could be rumors or gossip or anything else that hurts somebody else by what you're saying. Number six, Solomon says, the Lord hates a false witness who pours out lies. Now this idea of a false witness, often um, we think about a court setting, right? You think of, of perjury, of, of sitting there and, and under oath and having to, having to tell the truth under oath. And if you don't, then you commit perjury and you get in trouble for, for lying to the court. That's similar to what God is talking about here, but it's not about being in a courtroom. It's about being in the court of life. It's about things that we often say or think about other people. Again, rushing to evil. There's lies. There, there's all of these things. If, you, if you're seeing a theme here, God hates all of these things. So then he has this last one. Now we're going to go back to the beginning because you remember in, in verse uh, 16, it says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Now always for the longest time, that would kind of confuse me because you see this um, throughout the scriptures at different points. And, and what I've come to, to understand is this, is that when the Bible was written, especially Old Testament, there was, um, I guess, a literary pattern that people would write. And it didn't just have to be in the Bible. It could be in any, anything that they're writing. It could be writing a note or, or a letter to someone in another town or whoever it may be. And they would often write things like, there are two and three, or there are three and four. And, and so you would have kind of this, this buildup of, of, look, there's this number, and then there's another number. And what that last number represented was, this is the accumulation. This is everything being combined in those numbers. And so what Solomon is saying here is there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. What Solomon is writing here is there are six things that the Lord hates. And if you put all these six together, you're going to end up with this seventh person. And these are se this seventh is what God just despises. So then you read what is the number seven. Going through the six again, the Lord hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness that pours out lies. And then number seven, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. A man who stirs up dissension among brothers. You take any of those previous six things that the Lord hates, all of those things, even individually, would cause division, right? You think about the times in your life, think about in, in your own family, or maybe in your um, work environment, you know, maybe an office that you worked at or somewhere that you worked, or in relationships with friends, or even at maybe some churches you've been a part of. All of those things, if you think back, can cause and has caused division in your relationships. Maybe it's division in your marriage, division in your family, with your, with your best friend, with teachers, with bosses, with employees, employers, people you sit beside at church. Haughty eyes, this idea that, that you think you're better than me. That causes division, right? The second one, a lying tongue. 
Lies always create division because it breaks that bond of truth. No matter who it is that you're lying to, no matter what your motive was for lying, even if you were trying to lie to protect that person's feelings, it still breaks that bond of truth. Hands that shed innocent blood. The idea that you could hate someone for something that they did or said. When they feel like you hate them, that's going to cause division in your relationship. A heart that schemes wicked things, right? That you're sitting there plotting in your heart, this is what I want to do to try to get ahead. That's always going to divide wherever it is that you're going. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. Is that someone that you like to hang around with? Someone that you know is always running to, to tell you the quickest, the newest gossip and all the latest rumors and all of these things or something bad happens and they're the first one there wanting to find out what's happening or even getting involved? That causes division. A false witness who pours out lies. Again, with the lies, with what we say, with what comes out of our mouths that pour it out that we're this false witness and not something that's true that represents God, who is the embodiment of truth. All of those things collectively become this last person, someone who is divisive. So let's ask ourselves, are you a divider or are you a uniter? The things of your life, the things that you say, the way that you lead your life, the way that you look at others, the way that, that, that the speech that comes out of your tongue, the things that your heart races toward or your feet run toward or the things that you gravitate toward. Are there things that bring unity? Are there things that bring people together? Do they bring your family together, your marriage together, your, your, your friends together? Does it bring your church together? Or the things that, you, that represent your life, if you're really honest, do they represent these six or seven things that divide because if you read this and you believe this, God hates division. And he hates the fact that we act in a way sometimes that brings division amongst our families, ourselves, and our churches. He hates it. So where do we go from here? This is what I was thinking about my own life this week. Because I've been guilty, if I'm really honest, I've been guilty of all of these things. All six of these things at some point in my life, and a lot of times maybe they even overlap, but I've been guilty of all of these things, and I've been that seventh person. There's been times in my life where I've been that divider, intentionally or unintentionally. I've been that person that has caused division. So how do I prevent that going forward? How do you prevent that from going forward? How do we get away from these things that God hates to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God? I think in the past, I, us, we, or maybe even now for, for some of us, we can be like, you know what? We do have haughty eyes. We are judgmental. We are arrogant. We are unteachable. Eyes that used to look down at others. What if we turn those eyes to Christ so that now we're able to see others for the way Christ sees them? And we don't just see them as, as less than us. We see them for who they are and to begin to appreciate them as sons and daughters of God, just like us. In the past, maybe we had tongues that lied to one another. Maybe now we need to have tongues that encourage one another. In the past, maybe we had hands that shed innocent blood because we have a heart that hates, even if they don't even understand why we hate them or that we do hate them. But what if we use those, that heart and those hands instead of hating and murdering instead of giving life and serving. 
What if we were known by of people of life and not people of death? In the past, we had a heart that was exposed to every kind of evil. What if now we want to protect our heart, to make sure that it's protected, that our heart is only focused on the things that are pleasing to God instead of taking our heart and allowing it to drift into something that is wicked? What if instead of having feet that are quick to run to evil, instead we rush to people who have a need and we're there to help them? What if instead of spreading false testimonies, we spread the testimony of Christ? which is there is a God and he loves us regardless of who we are and what we have done, that he is there to offer us forgiveness. We just have to be willing to accept it, that his grace and his mercy, his kindness, his love, all of those things are unending. But that should be the testimony that comes out of our mouth, not testimony that tears down one another. And what if in the past, an attitude and a mindset that stirred up division, all of a sudden we became known as a people that stirred up unity? That it wasn't about who we can divide, who we can separate, but became who can we unite? Who can we bring together? Can you imagine how our church would be different if we were known as a church of uniters? Can you imagine how the body of Christ would be different? Every church in this country, every church in this world, if we were known for what we were for, not necessarily what we were against. That instead we were coming together as different denominations and different churches and we were coming together in unity to actually serve and be the hands and feet of Christ versus so, being so fragmented and spread out and divided. Can you believe what we would look like then as the church? We would be a place that a hurting world right now would want to come to. We would be a place that could unite people that are now divided by politics. We could be a place that could unite people who are now divided by health care and, 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 and codes and mandates. We could be people who are, instead of being divided by, by, by race, instead being uniters to say, hey, look, regardless of what we look like on the outside, we all have souls that were born of God. Amen? What if we were known as uniters and not dividers? But you can't read these few verses and not realize God hates division. And God hates more than division, the person who stirs up division. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be that person. I've been there and I've done that and I don't want to do that anymore. Like I want to be known as a person of truth. I want to be known as a person that unites. And my prayer this morning is that that's the same thing you want to strive for. So if you're struggling over any of these things, you're like, you know what, Mike? Yeah, number one, number five, number six, they all hit me, or maybe it's all of them, or maybe it's just one of them. I hope that this morning that you just gravitate to that and you turn that over to God. I say, God, you know what? I have a problem looking down at people. God, I have a problem with gossip. God, I have a problem with lying. God, I, I have a problem. If there's something evil going on, I'm the first one to run to it. Like, whatever it may be, saying, God, I need help with this. Like, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me some self-control that, that you promised me this because that's part of my life when I come to know you. Like, I want to be known as someone who is a uniter and not a divider because that is what God wants. That is who God is. He unites us through his love for us. There is no division in God, and he doesn't want any division to be in us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, this morning, I just, um, and I just humbly come to you and I just ask forgiveness for the times of my life, Lord, that I know I've been divisive, that I've caused division in my family, I've caused division within friendships, at churches, at jobs, wherever it may be. Lord, the times that 
man, I've looked down at others and placed myself way higher than I ever should have been. Times, Lord, when I've, um, man, allowed lies just to come out of my mouth, either to keep myself out of trouble or, man, under the disguise of wanting to protect someone else. God, I'm sorry. Lord, for the times in my life that I've ran to evil, or the times in my life which I've allowed my heart to become corrupted and, and deceitful. Lord, this morning, I just, I'm sorry for all of those things. And Lord, I just pray that you make it evident to us the things that we still struggle with today in any of these areas. God, that you hate these things, not because it's who we are, but because of what it does to us. And Lord, your love for us is a love of protection. And all of these six things, Lord, all of them, lead us down a path that is a path of wickedness, a path of destruction, not the path of wisdom. And Lord, like a parent wanting to correct the child and protect the child, Lord, thank you for these verses. Thank you for Solomon and um, his wisdom and wanting to share them with us. They're not verses we want to look at. They're verses that we often want to just breeze over and skip past because we don't want to use um, these verses as a mirror to our soul to see what the reflection is, God, but it's things that we often need to stop and look at. Cleanse our heart, creating us a new heart, O oh God. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. In your holy name we pray. Amen.